The following interview was recorded live at the North American Menopause Society, or NAMS, annual meeting. Founded in 1989, NAMS is North America's leading nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting the health and quality of life of all women during midlife and beyond through an understanding of menopause and healthy aging. Hello, this is Dr. Prathima Sethi, and I am your host for this segment on ReachMD. Today we have with us Dr. Joanne Pinkerton. Dr. Pinkerton is the director of the Midlife Health Center, a nationally recognized multidisciplinary center for women's midlife health. She is also professor of obstetrics and gynecology at the University of Virginia School of Medicine. She has served as the past president for the Board of Trustees, Scientific Chair, and Professional Education Committee for the North American Menopause Society. She has won numerous awards, has lectured extensively, and has conducted much clinical research on various topics related to women's midlife health. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Dr. Pinkerton. It's really exciting for menopausal women to have so many options that are FDA approved. Um, so we have different types of oral estrogen combined with progestin um, to protect against uterine cancer. And then we also have um, different types of transdermals, lotions, creams, gels, and patches. So women do have a lot of choices when it comes to hormone therapy, um, but there are also some issues with traditional hormone therapy in terms of tolerability. There's some concerns about bleeding, breast tenderness, whether or not there might be an increased risk of breast cancer or heart disease um, and blood clots with long-term use. So what are some indications a patient you see in the office, postmenopausal patient, when do you think, okay, this patient would be good for systemic hormonal therapy? About 80% of women have hot flashes, but only about 25% of them are really bothersome enough to need medical treatment. And so that's the group. When they're having seven or eight hot flushes a day, they're moderate to severe, they're associated with sweating, or they stop them in their track, they're getting um, inadequate sleep, their sleep is being disrupted, they're fatigued, they're irritable. They usually come in knowing that they're ready to take treatment. And then the gold standard has always been traditional systemic hormone therapy. And what are some of the traditional types of systemic hormone therapy? There's the patch and as well as uh, oral that uh, is very commonly talked about. Can you speak on those? When I have a patient in the office, how we decide on which hormone therapy to use really is somewhat dependent on their risk factors and their preferences. So if I have somebody who um, I'm worried about a fatty liver or some type of, um, they're drinking a little bit more, I may want to go with a transdermal product, um, or if they're older so that I decrease the risk of blood clots. Um, but in general, healthy women who are under 60 or within 10 years of menopause, I think can use any of the products that are on the market so they could use an oral um, or a transdermal. I think the most important thing is if they have a uterus, we have to add progestogen to that um, unless we use this new product that's coming out. 
Dr. Pinkerton, I've heard a lot about bioidentical hormonal therapy. Is this very common, and is this a concern? Well, in this country, we're really lucky that there are many FDA-approved bioidentical hormone therapies, both oral and transdermal. But um, we have a poster today that is showing that there is up to one and a half to two million women who may be using custom compounded hormone therapy, and that means that they're using non-FDA approved products. And what was alarming was that in our survey, about 86% of women did not know that their custom compounded hormone products were not FDA approved. And we have concerns that um, women who use non-FDA-approved therapies um, may be at higher risk because they're not monitored or regulated by the FDA. You remember the intrathecal contaminated um, steroid injections um, that had the fungal infections associated with death, and that was a sterility problem. And so what we're worried about is that products may be underdosed, overdosed, different from batch to batch, and that they don't include a black box warning. So, you know, one of our key points is that people who prescribe these need to educate about potential risks, that these are hormones, and that there's some unique risk um, due to using compounded products. And Dr. Pinkerton, can you explain what CIRMs are? We hear that a lot nowadays um, as possible treatment for um, hot flashes in postmenopausal women. Can you explain what they are? So a CIRM is a selective estrogen receptor modulator. Essentially, it can be an estrogen agonist in some tissues and an estrogen antagonist in other tissues. So tamoxifen is the first one you think about, which prevents breast cancer but it has a higher risk of uterine cancer. So it's an anti-estrogen on the breast, but an estrogen on the uterus. Then we have raloxifen, which is approved to prevent breast cancer and bone loss, but it has an increase in hot flashes, um, as well as increase in blood clots, which all the CIRMs have. And then the newest one that we're looking at in combination with estrogen is called basodoxyphene, and it's a unique CIRM because it's an anti-estrogen on the uterus as well as on the breast. And can you discuss the the findings of the SMART trial? So the SMART trials are a series of five trials that um, happened across the United States and in other countries um, looking at a novel product, which is a CIRM, basodoxyphene, combined with a conjugated equine estrogen. And that combination, first in preclinical work and then through these really rigorous clinical trials showed that it improved hot flashes, um, it decreased both the frequency and the severity of hot flushes, it prevented bone loss, it improved vaginal atrophy, and most importantly, it had a bleeding profile similar to placebo. So there was no bleeding and there was no breast tenderness. And then I worked with Dr. Harvey on the breast density and we found that there was no difference in breast density compared to placebo versus if we compare it to a estrogen progestin product, there would be more bleeding, more breast tenderness, and an increase in breast density. And we think that breast density may correlate with an increased risk of breast cancer. So the summation is that it treats hot flushes, prevents bone loss, 
and is neutral on the breast and the uterus without bleeding, without breast tenderness. So, Dr. Pinkerton, who are candidates for CIRMs? Well, I think the, the question is for a CIRM by itself, it would be a woman who's at risk for breast cancer and who wants to prevent bone loss. And so raloxifen is indicated for those two reasons. It's not used very much, uh, which is really sad because it does decrease the risk of invasive breast cancer and is um, tolerable with a slight increase in hot flushes and a slight increase in blood clots. When we look at the combination of the CIRM and estrogen paired together, this unique combination, um, I I think that gets much more interesting because um, almost any postmenopausal woman who has a uterus could be a candidate. Um, so if we're sort of looking at a, a good woman might be someone who comes in who's had bleeding problems as she went through menopause or perimenopause, and now she's having significant hot flushes, A-to-day, she's having sleep disruption, she wants to go on hormones, but she's worried about bleeding. She would be a perfect candidate to try the CEBZA combination. Um, another person might be someone who um, has a fear of breast cancer. Maybe her mother had breast cancer, and and she's really devastated. She's tried the non-hormonal treatment options, and they haven't relieved her hot flushes. Um, but now she's ready to think about hormones. But she's concerned that the Women's Health Initiative showed an increased risk of breast cancer at five years when you are on a traditional estrogen progestin product. So she would be a good candidate to take this conjugated estrogen basidoxapine combination because it would be neutral on the breast. Um, we don't have any evidence that it decreases her risk of breast cancer, but we're pretty confident that it would not increase her risk. Now, I have to put a caveat that the SMART trials were only done out to two years. So we have good data on protection of the uterus and the breast at two years, but of course we'd like five-year data. Another patient who we might think about is someone who has been on an estrogen progestin product, doing well, but now they're ready to maybe taper off. They try going off, and they start having more hot flashes. So then we might try putting them on the combination of the CEBZA because, again, it would be neutral on the breast. So what are some of the other novel approaches that are in the works for systemic hormonal therapy? So there's not any other novel therapies that are in the works Although at the preclinical level, they're trying to find other CIRMs. They're looking at different types of estrogens. But it's really difficult to find um, a CIRM that is an anti-estrogen on the uterus that matches with an estrogen that's safe. It would be wonderful to have something that was a transdermal CIRM-estrogen combination, but the pharmacology apparently is very difficult. What we do have are novel non-hormonal treatments for hot flushes. And so about a year ago, the FDA approved the very first non-hormonal treatment, which is a low-dose paroxetine salt, much lower than the doses that are commonly used um, for treatment of depression. And interestingly enough, not only did it decrease hot flushes, but not nearly as well as estrogen, um, but it also decreased sleep disruption, which is what we're presenting here, and had a sustained effect at two years, only decreasing hot flushes less than two per day, whereas estrogen might decrease it seven per day. Um, and this very low dose did not increase weight, 
and did not um, increase sexual problems, unlike the higher doses that were used for depression. And there are many off-label antidepressants that you could also use that improve hot flushes, but at least now we have an FDA-approved therapy. So Dr. Pinkerton, that was such a wonderful review on systemic hormonal therapy. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? I would just ask for providers to individualize therapy, to not be frightened to consider hormone therapy for women who are healthy, who are under 60 within 10 years of menopause, and to work their way through whether or not they want to use traditional estrogen and progesterone if they have a uterus, or the new combination of estrogen combined with a serum. But I think that women don't have to suffer. And after the Women's Health Initiative, so many women stopped their hormones. And now we found out that a large number went to custom compounded, believing the myth that it was safer and had no risk. So our education is to say we have FDA-approved products. Let's use them whenever possible for these women. Thank you so much, Dr. Pinkerton, for being with us here today and for sharing with us your thoughts on this very important topic. I am your host, Dr. Prathima Sethi, and you've been listening to ReachMD Radio. If you missed any part of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com to download this podcast. Thank you for listening.